The seven trumpets of Revelation chapters 8 and 9 are seen by many as judgments from God, but I think they have less to do with God pouring out his wrath and much more to do with real estate. I'll explain what that means, as well as what all this has to do with the mission and the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. We'll talk about it all on this week's episode of Revelation Unveiled on Faith by Reason. Welcome to Faith by Reason. The website behind it all, as always, is faithbyreason.net. There you will find hundreds of hours of study material, blogs, podcasts, and video. And we are continuing our study of the book of Revelation. We are on the seven trumpets of Revelation chapter 8 and 9, as I just said. And this is a major significant portion of the book of Revelation. And as always, when we get to these major portions, I want to take a step back and give an introduction and overview of the purpose of these events so that we kind of have that preamble before we go forward. You know, I did the same thing with the introduction to the churches and to the seven seals, talking about the purpose. So what are the what is the possible purposes of these seven trumpets? When these trumpets are blown, cataclysmic things happen, unlike anything that had, had been seen on earth to this point. I mean, the, the bold judgments, which we'll get to uh, uh, down the road a bit, they're even worse, but these are, are pretty bad judgments. There's some incredible cataclysms. And so what, why, why, is, why is this happening? Why is God doing this? Well, the traditional view is that these are the, these seven trumpets are the continuation of God's judgments on the earth for mankind's sin. Um, the traditional view, again, is that these the uh, first six seals um, are judgments from God. I don't believe that. I think we've, I've made that pretty clear that I believe that the, the seals are actually from Satan. Specifically, the four horsemen are satanic agents. Um, and I, when, while I do believe that the bowls of wrath are absolutely God's wrath and judgment being poured out, I think something's a little different is happening here with the seven trumpets. The se- you will see some things mirrored in the seven trumpet events and the bowl events, but there are some distinctions that leads me to believe that they have very different purposes. For example, when we deal with the first four trumpets, we see a lot of times they they affect a third of something. We see that they affect you know, a third of the water, a third of the trees, a third of the sun and moon. Why a third? Why not the whole thing? Because when we get to the bowls of wrath, yes, the whole earth is affected, but it seems to be a limited effective, excuse me, a limited area of effect when we are dealing with the, the seven trumpets. So why is that? Uh, well, I, I think we this is much more supernatural. This is much more than just God judging man. And Dr. Michael Heiser, who I talk about quite a bit and someone I respect, he, he, he was the one who introduced me to the supernatural worldview. He has a take that he believes that these seven trumpets are a mirror of the 10 plagues of Egypt. And if you look at the plagues of Egypt, the purpose of them, the true purpose was not just to you know, beat up on the Egyptians and, you know, and get Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. Yes, that was an effect, but the cause, the reason behind it was God specifically judging um, these fallen angelic beings who the Egyptians worshiped as gods. Each one of those uh, plagues was a specific judgment against one of the Egyptian pantheon, Isis and Osiris and Horus and Set and Toth and all those all those different entities. And Heiser believed that this is what's happening with the, um, with, the with the seven trumpets. And while I believe that he's right to a degree that is it is very much spiritual and it is aimed towards spiritual entities, I don't see this as lining up well. I I I think it's I think Heiser's point is pretty weak here. If you look at 
the fact that these this is very it's very similar for dissimilar first of all you know there were 10 plagues and these are seven trumpets so that's the difference right there in numerology then you have um you know very little similarity between the the judgments that you see here when, when the trumpets are blown i mean yeah sure you could argue that you know the water's being turned to blood yes that's similar you can probably also look at the sun and moon being dark and that's similar but that's about it the other judgments are sort of the other events aren't uh, really um compatible i mean if you made a stretch you could maybe say the locust in in uh, chapter i'm sorry excuse me and when the fifth trumpet is blown it's, it's kind of similar nomenclature is similar in nomenclature but as we see when we'll get when we get to the uh the fifth trumpet the things are the, those locusts are very very different than the ones um, that the egyptians suffered through so i don't think that's it either so as i said in the preamble i think this is le this is less about judgment and more about real estate and i'm being serious here what is the most important real estate in the universe for for, for the purposes of god and for the the, the fallen angels it's the earth the earth is the most valuable property in existence because all of all of mankind and all the spiritual world want possession of the earth so let's look at kind of the to use a real estate term the chain of custody of the earth so of course god made the earth initially so it was his property if you make something it's yours god voluntarily gave it to man now there's a possibility that he gave stewardship to it over angelic beings before um before adam and that may be one of the reasons behind the fall um, around the initial uh, state of the world of the, of the universe in Revelation, excuse me, in Genesis chapter one and two. And I'm not going to go there. Let's just say he gave custody of it to Adam. Adam was basically given, he was the king of the earth. God gave him dominion over the entire earth. Adam lost that dominion when he sinned because, you know, it, it required a someone who was, you know, reporting to God as part of God's counsel overseeing the earth and Adam lost that position and he and the earth and animals no longer obeyed Adam but it didn't transfer directly to Satan the earth was basically up for grabs Satan didn't get possession of it what happened next was you have at Babel now you had men trying to dominate the earth by building this first world empire in the tower of Babel and God ended that and then he divided the earth into nations and he put according to Deuteronomy chapter 32, he put 70 of his angelic host over the nations and he kept one nation for himself, which was Israel. So the earth was then basically divided between these 70 angels and God, but then the 70 angels all sinned. They became the, they, they allowed themselves to be worshiped and they became the gods, the fallen gods, the pagan gods of all these different nations. We talked about that a couple of episodes ago with the story of evil and I've mentioned it before. And then eventually Satan got, um, he, he got dominion over all these angels to the point where at the time of Jesus, he was able to tempt Jesus by saying, hey, all these kingdoms are mine and I can give them to whomever I want. And Jesus never denied Satan's authority. He just you know, resisted the temptation. So Satan had proxy control over the earth up until the crucifixion and resurrection. When Jesus rose from the dead when he died and rose from the dead he paid the penalty he lived the life that adam couldn't live and, and and as such he gained he regained adam's authority so at the resurrection jesus became the legal owner of this property we call earth but he didn't claim it so the, the evil spiritual beings still dominate we, and i don't have to convince you of that just look at the world headlines look at the world leadership look at the state of our planet and it's pretty obvious that the the bad guys are, are still in control but they don't have legal title they they are technically squatters you know what a squatter is that's when you have property 
and it's not being utilized and people just say come in and say hey look this property's not being used we're just going to come and live here and that's what that's where the evil spiritual entities are we've talked about this in the past when we talked about the purpose of the tribulation one of the purposes of the tribulation is basically to kick the squatters off the earth this is jesus's property he owns it but he hasn't come to claim it yet so you can almost say that the earth is kind of in escrow and those of you who have bought and sold property know what escrow is like my wife and i experienced it when we bought our current home you know several years ago where you know we found the home we put in a down payment we signed all the paperwork but we couldn't move in immediately so there's some things that have to be done in the background, a bunch of legal stuff with title and all that kind of stuff. So we owned our house, but we couldn't live there until escrow closed. And when escrow closed, meaning all the things that have to have had to happen in the background for the title to be for the uh, property to be transferred to us happened, and then we can move in. So I see these seven trumpets as an escrow closing. It's been two thousand years of escrow. Jesus has not come back to claim the the earth yet, but. It's, it's been an escrow and now the escrow is closing and you're calling the sheriff to kick the squatters out. And that's what the, the I believe that's what the seven trumpets are. The seven trumpets are the sheriff coming to kick the squatters out of the home so that Jesus can reclaim it. And why do I believe that? There are several reasons. One of the main ones is that you will see after the seven trumpets are blown. Um, I'll have the verse up on the screen here. But when after the seventh trumpet is blown, there is a voice in heaven that says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of, of, of God and Jesus. Basically, they're announcing, OK, this world is now ours, which means that prior to the seventh trumpet being blown, they, they had not been claimed yet. So I believe that the seventh trumpet, seventh trumpet announces, OK, it's done. These king, the kingdoms of the world are now the kingdoms of God and the kingdom of Jesus. So that kind of closes the escrow. And the other reason I believe it is because of the way the Bible works in patterns. The thing that I, one of the many things I love about the Bible is that it's the pattern of prophecy. The ancient rabbis would say that uh, prophecy isn't just prediction, prophecy is pattern. God does the same things over and over again in a pattern. That's, he, he has a way of doing these things. And if we look in the past, in the Old Testament, in previous times, we can see his methodology. And his methodology is not going to change. Why would it? He's perfect. So whatever he has done in the past, he did it perfectly. So if he needs to do a similar thing, he'll do it again. So do we have evidence in the Bible? Do we have a pattern, a model model in the Bible of God uh, taking back land, re, reclaiming land that had been usurped by squatters? As a matter of fact, we do. It is the retaking of the promised land, the land of Canaan. God promised the land of Canaan to Abraham and his descendants that well that's their property that's their legal property god said i have this is my nation and this i have this plot of land and i'm giving it to the descendants of abraham isaac and jacob so they legally owned it however while they were in egypt for 400 years as slaves squatters came by satan knew that this land the land of canaan was the promised land and what did he do he infiltrated it with all kinds of evil pagans the amorites and the moabites and the hittites and all the other ites were in the land and also the nephilim were in the land the og of bashan we see him in in the um, exodus story i mean in, in the story of the wilderness wanderings and the the um the children of israel when when moses sent out the spies 12, 12 of the spies came back and said hey the nephilim are in the land the sons of anak they're they're so tall we're like grasshoppers before them so they so we have supernatural evil in the land they were squatters and so god had to kick them out so what was the model the model is the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua 
shows how God deals with reclaiming land that has been usurped by evil entities and uh, humans and spiritual who should not be there. So that's our model here. And we will find that there are incredible parallels between what's going on in the book of Joshua and what's going on here in the in Revelation chapters uh, 7, 8, and 9 that I think are so clear that I just think it's blatantly obvious that this is a repeat of the of what's happening in Joshua. And I'll give you some examples. The first example is just the name, Joshua. Joshua is our English translation of it, but the in Hebrew is Yehoshua. Yehoshua in Greek is Yeshua. And Yeshua in English is Jesus. So Joshua or Jehoshua is the same name as Jesus. If you were to walk, if we could go back in time to the first century and walk with Jesus, you would, they would call him Jesus. That's an English word. They called him Yeshua. And Yeshua is basically a Greek form of Yehoshua. So we have a man named Jesus, Joshua, who is leading in this expedition to reclaim the promised land. Let's look at some of the other similarities. When the, in the first campaign against the city of Jericho, which we're going to talk about quite a bit before this episode ends, there is an interesting ritual that happens where there is silence. As the Israelites march around the walls of Jericho, there's silence. And then we also see, um, in what we'll see in the next chapter, that when the seventh seal is open and the, and the trumpets prepare to sound, there's silence in heaven for half an hour. So you have this, you have two silences. And by the way, another Bible commentator, not me, unless another guy said this, he said that silence in heaven for half an hour is proof that there are no women in heaven. Now, don't get mad at me. I'm not, I'm just repeating what this other guy said. Don't get mad at me. It wasn't me, it was him. So you have the silence in heaven and, and the silence on earth. And then after the silence, you have trumpets being blown in by Joshua. And then you have the trumpets being blown here, the seven trumpets, and that knocks down walls. What actually knocks down strongholds. We'll talk about that in a bit too. You have someone who is ruling the land in, in the Joshua narrative called Adonai Zedek, which is Hebrew for the Lord of Righteousness. But he's not a righteous person. He's actually an evil person pretending to be righteous. And in Revelation, we have an entity called the Antichrist or the beast who pretends to be righteous, but actually is not. In Joshua, we have signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And we have the same thing in Revelation. And when the, when the trumpets are being blown, the sun, moon, and stars are affected. You have um, rocks falling from heaven, asteroids, meteorites falling, and they're, they're um, destroying evil armies. And again, you have the, the similar things happening in, in Revelation chapters 8 and 9, where you, again, you have stars and, and or meteors, not stars, literal stars, you have uh, meteors and rocks falling from the heavens. And, and causing devastation. So yeah, you have you have some things that lead us to believe that that this that you know some very very similar things are happening here. But I want to focus on the the trumpets as they relate to the bringing down the walls of Jericho and how and how that directly relates to the purpose of these trumpets here. So why did Jericho have to come down? Jericho had to come down. That was their, the first campaign. If, if the walls of Jericho did not come down, if Jericho was not conquered, then the conquest of the, uh, the Promised Land would have been a failure. Why? Because Jericho was a stronghold. Now, in military terms, a stronghold is where supplies and weapons are being held. And when you are in warfare, one of the first things you need to do is take care of the enemy's supply lines. Um, it's, not, it's not just about who has the best fighters. Now, if you if you study any type of military tactics, you know that that's, that's one of the first things they want to do is, is affect the supply lines. Because if you have the greatest army in the world, the best fighters in the world, that's not going to help if 
they don't have any food. They don't have any weapons. And all the food and weapons are held in the storehouse. So if you cut off the, the, the stronghold in the storehouse, then they're going to starve and they're not going to have any weapons. So if Jericho was not taken out, then the enemies of Israel would have had a steady supply of weapons and provisions. They could have kept the war going long and it could have worn the Israelites out. So Jericho had to be taken out. Jericho was a stronghold. And that was the purpose of those trumpets sounding in the days of Joshua was to bring down the strongholds. Why is that important? Because that is the purpose of the seven trumpets here in Revelation, bringing down strongholds, bringing down the walls. Now, we're not talking about physical walls. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that the Antichrist is going to put up a physical wall barrier around the earth. Of course not. We're talking spiritual walls. We're talking spiritual strongholds. What are spiritual strongholds? Spiritual strongholds are belief systems. Our strongholds are beliefs in the spiritual realm. We all have them. Our strongholds are the places where Satan gets provisions and, and armaments to use against us. And we all have them in our lives. We all have at least one area in our life that say, that we always fall in. That's, our, that's the satanic stronghold. That's the area that no matter how much progress we make, no matter how much we've grown in Christ, there's always some area that Satan always knows he can hit us right there and we'll fall. I can tell you that mine, one of mine was rejection. It was something I experienced in, experienced early in, in, in my childhood. And that was a place where I had false beliefs about being re rejected and not accepted. So Satan knows that he can always go there and just whisper in my ear, oh, you're being rejected. They don't accept you. And that triggers me. And and I just, you know, you know I, I would lose my, I'll either lose my temper or I'll just go into depression because he knows that's the stronghold. He knows that no matter what happens, he can always go back to that wound from childhood and and, and, and go there. So as, as I grow, obviously I've been you know, working through it and working to you know understand who I am in Christ and how I'm accepted by Christ and and, and, and by, by God and, and how you know I don't have to feel rejected anymore, but that wound is still there and Satan just knows how to go in and poke that wound. That's his stronghold. That's where he can always go. To, to try to get me to slip up. And again, you have yours, everyone has them, and these strongholds, again, are belief systems. So if we're talking about the earth, the stronghold of the earth would be the false belief systems that the world has about Satan and the fallen angels that allow them to have power. So these seven trumpets are bringing down those strongholds, clearing out those beliefs so that Satan has no power to resist the when Jesus reclaims the world for himself. And as I said, beginning in the next episode, we are going to chronicle the the seven trumpets and I will show where how each one of the cataclysms that occur when the trumpets are blown bring down a specific satanic stronghold belief system that the world has that continues to weaken his hold on the world and again clears the way for Jesus to come in. All right, so uh, before we wrap things up, just want to hit on a couple of more points. And he here's a very interesting one. We were talking about all the similarities between the, the, the seven trumpets of Revelation and uh, the conquest of, of Canaan or the promised land by Joshua. And there's one more I want to bring up. And this will be very interesting to those of you who uh, like to, to uh, study the rapture. And that is the what happened before the trumpets were blown, before the Israel started marching around Jericho to bring down the walls. Uh, Joshua sent in two spies to spy out Jericho. 
what's interesting about it is that they didn't really gather any intel or anything like that that you would normally expect the spy, spies to do. The only thing they ended up doing was saving a woman named Rahab. The, the two spies went into Jericho and Rahab, who was a prostitute, a, a harlot, she was, but she was smart enough to know that, you know, these two spies were the good guys and she, and they think we're going to win. And she believed in, in God and Jehovah. And she said, Hey, you know, can you save my family before you take the city? And so she kept them safe. Um, and when they, and, you know, and let them get in and out of the city safely. And, uh, as a reward for that, before they took out the city, they saved Rahab and her family. And Rahab went on to be a, a important part of, of the genealogy of Christ. Rahab was, um, she ended up marrying one of them and she was the great, great, great grandmother. I don't know if there may be too many greats of King David. Uh, Rahab's uh, son was named Boaz. Boaz ended up marrying Ruth in the book of Ruth and Ruth and Boaz had a son who was a grandfather of King David. And of course, Jesus is of the line of David. So this Rahab was again in the line of Jesus, remarkable woman. But she, we could also consider her a Gentile bride. She was obviously not a Jew. She was a Gentile. She became a bride and she was saved before these the, the walls were brought down. So people who uh, uh, believe in the rapture and a pre or mid-trib rapture often use this as an idiom for because again, you have a Gentile bride being taken out of harm's way before judgments happen, before uh, God brings down the walls of, of the city, before he judges that city. And people, again, can see that as a pattern of the rapture. Some say it's a pre-trib rapture because they model it out. They see it as a model of the pre-trib rapture because, again, Gentile bride taken out before the bad stuff starts to happen. The mid-tribbers see it as a mid-trib rapture. Why? Because they, they relate the two spies to the two witnesses um, who start their ministry during the tribulation and are uh, uh, killed in the middle of the tribulation. We'll talk about them when we get to chapter 11. But anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. I think it's very interesting um, well, um, if you, you can how you can possibly fit the saving of Rahab into a rapture scenario, again, if, if you want to. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is the timing of the seven trumpets. When do the seven trumpets occur vis-a-vis -vis this seven year, the seven last years of human rule on the earth, which you call the tribulation? Uh, some believe they happen um, in the first half, the first three and a half years of the tribulation, which is before before the Antichrist sets himself up as, as God to be worshiped in the temple that happens at the midpoint. So some believe it happens before this midpoint. Others believe it happens after the 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 the, um, the antichrist sets himself up so they, they it happens in the last half of the tribulation that's what other people believe the last three and a half years and they just kind of group all of the the trumpets and the bowls and everything that's happening in that short span of time um where do i fall on this spectrum i've gone back and forth i would say early on in my study of revelation i put it in in the first half of the tribulation because that's where a lot of the commentators who i was reading and who i liked uh, put it then, but I've heard good counter arguments to say that it happens in the second half of the tribulation, that it happens during the, uh, the second three and a half years. And, and some of the reason that people believe that it's in the second half is that there are some allusions to people already having the mark of the beast. Um, when this happens in the mark of the beast happens at the three and a half, at the three and a half year point or, or pretty soon after that. So this, so the trumpets would have to happen after that midpoint. But there, there are reasons, again, there, there are good reasons on both sides. And honestly, right now I'm leaning towards the, 
uh, the, the seven trumpets happening, or the, at least the first six happening be- before the midpoint, or maybe right right around the midpoint, maybe in like that last, if, if you're talking three and a half years, maybe that last a year or so before the midpoint happens for a couple of reasons. One reason is that we'll see um, in the next episode that you have language about um, stars, which we know are angelic beings falling from heaven. And we see that begins to happen at the sixth seal. So this could be a part of that um, scenario. You also have the fact that the 144,000 are, which you talked about last week, that they are sealed before this happens. And then we see them in Revelation chapter 14 in heaven before the last part of the tribulation. So if they're sealed in order to protect them from these these trumpets and they're gone by the midpoint, either martyred or raptured in a, in a mid-tribulation rapture, then the then you have to think that the um, trumpets are being blown in that first half uh, of the tribulation. So I, I tend to believe that they, they may even overlap a little. I think they're going to happen towards the end of the first three and a half years, may even overlap a little bit into the um, the, the, the midpoint. But I'm not dogmatic about that. I'm not going to say it definitely happens in the first half or it definitely happens in the second half. I, I, I truly don't know. Like I said, I tend to believe that it's going to be it's going to happen in the first half. And it may stretch out. We don't know. These are going to be quick. I mean, when, when we look at them again, there's some pretty serious, devastating things happen. And I don't believe that, you know, all the waters are going to be turned to uh, a third of the water is going to be turned to blood one day. And then like, you know, a week later it's gone. So I think they're going to linger. So they may not happen quickly. They may happen over an extended period of time. But Again, as of right now, I believe they're happening in the first half and may bleed a little bit into the second half, especially when we get to Trumpets 5 and 6, and we will talk about that more when we get there. Okay, um, let's wrap up. Hey, we may actually be a little early this episode. So just to summarize, the traditional view of the seven trumpets is that they are judgments from God and that the reason that they only affect certain portions of the earth, a third or a fourth in certain cases, is that they're kind of a warning shot. They're God showing mercy and giving people another chance to repent. Um, I don't I, I don't buy into that idea. As I said before, I believe that this is a bringing down strongholds, that this is all a part of Jesus reclaiming the earth. And the reason I, I, I don't tend to buy into the idea that these are just another set of judgments is because in order to take that stance you are going you have to not explore the the greater context that these trumpets are in you're not you're not doing what god tells us in i believe it's in i'll, I'll put the verse up uh, amos chapter 3 verse 7 where god clearly states that he does not do anything until he reveals it to his prophets first so he doesn't do anything without precedent. Everything that ha- that's why we keep going back to the Old Testament over and over again in the book of Revelation, because the I think God sets that pattern. And if you just say, oh, these are just more judgments from God without the context of where when have, have these things happened before? When has this pattern happened before? Then you are missing a great deal and you are basically ignoring Amos 3.7. So we look back at the pattern and there is, as I said before, a pattern of how God dispossesses the land of usurpers that he he how he uh, dispossesses the land that he owns from usurpers and the uh, reclaiming of the land of Canaan from the usurpers is the pattern and we're going to see that pattern again and you have the same things happening you have a silence you have horns being blown you have trumpet uh, you have the uh, the walls coming down you have a gentile bride being saved beforehand 
You have signs in the sun and the moon. You have stars falling from heaven. You have meteors or rocks falling from the sky. You have all these things and they're happening. They happen in Joshua. They're happening again in Revelation. It is not a coincidence. This is the same pattern. Amos 3, 7. God shows us what he's going to do before he does it because he is just and that would be the just thing to do. And that's what I believe is happening here. So in the next episode, we are going to go over the first four trumpets and the cataclysms that they cause and what i will do is talk about how what the trumpet what the trumpets mean what is the cataclysm that happens how it affects the earth and how it affects the stronghold how it destroys one of the big belief systems that people have about satan so that by the by this time by the time this is done people are going to have a clear choice you either believe in satan who's a failing god small g god or you can believe in the true god of the universe who is has just brought down his walls so that's it for today uh thank you for listening i appreciate it uh, please please subscribe to faithbyreason.net by putting your email into the right navigation area if you are on the website if you're here on youtube watching then please subscribe um, hit the subscription button, hit the notification button, hit the share button, hit all the buttons you need to hit. So I appreciate it so that this message can get out to more people. And I will talk to you next week when we uh, look at the first four trumpets of Revelation chapter eight.